بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا ما يحده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله أما بعد فإن أحسن الكلام كلام الله وخير الحدي حدي محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وإن شر الأمور محدثاتها وكل محدثة بدعة وكل بدعة ضلالة وكل ضلالة في النار uh, So today we continue the sh- our short series uh, from uh, this section in Sheikh Obeid's book Hafizahullah in which he brings together a dozen or so narrations from the Salaf indicating the methodology, the manhaj, the way of the Salaf in sticking to the Sunnah and warning from Bid'ah and advising people to make the Masuk, to hold fast to the Sunnah and to beware of deviation and innovation lest they be you know, uh, beguiled away from the path and they fall into destruction. And as we mentioned previously, that these narrations that the Shaykh has brought together, that he has compiled in this section, they should be understood from the angle that these are methodologies, uh, these are ways, these are principles which Allah has placed in this religion in order to protect and preserve this religion from uh, from that it should uh, go in the same way as the religion of the Jews and the Christians, those who received a book, those who received a book from the Jews and the Christians and, and others, we know that they altered their religion, they distorted their religion, uh, they made tahrif, they made tabdil, and this occurs by way of innovations, innovations in speech, innovations in belief, innovations practically speaking in terms of the ibadat, in terms of worship, people you know, worshipping Allah in a way that Allah did not legislate. This is what the Jews, this is what the Christians fell into. And although the immediate companions or the disciples of those prophets of Prophet Isa salam, Prophet Musa salam, they did uh, clarify the religion, they did clarify the truth, they did speak against falsehood when it appeared. Nevertheless, Allah you know, did not intend for those books and you know, for, that, for that message of those prophets to remain. Rather, he sent Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to be a messenger for the whole of mankind and he sent him with huda, with guidance, with dinul haqq, with the true religion uh, that it may prevail over all other religions and part and parcel of that is that Allah has guaranteed the protection, the preservation of this message the preservation of the Quran as we all know the Quran in its uh, wording, in its meaning, it has been protected in the hearts, in writing. The Messenger, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, he 
clarified and explained the book, the meanings of the book, the rulings of the book, the ahkam, the mu'amalat, the aqaid. He clarified all of these affairs from the book in his sunnah. And then the Sahaba radiallahu anhum, they, their understanding, their understanding of what was revealed, uh, the Quran and the Sunnah, and specifically in the context of these narrations, when they saw what the Messenger of Allah Sallam told them would happen to this Ummah, as it happened to previous nations, when they saw that, then the companions they stood to protect this religion and to defend this religion and to speak against falsehood and its people. And just to mention to you one, one hadith of the Messenger of Allah which, which mentions this, it's the hadith of Abdullah bin Mas'ud radiallahu anhu reported by Muslim in which he said that the Messenger of Allah he said, مَا مِن نَبِيٍ بَعَثَهُ اللَّهِ فِي أُمَّةٍ قَبْلِي إِلَّا كَانَ لَهُ مِنْ أُمَّتِهِ حَوَارِيُّونَ وَأَسْحَابُ يَأْخُذُونَ بِسُنَّتِهِ وَيَقْتَدُونَ بِأَمْرِهِ the Messenger said وسلم, that never was there a prophet which Allah sent to a nation before me except that there was from his nation there were helpers and companions they would take from his sunnah and they would guide themselves by his command ثُمَّ إِنَّهَا تَخْلُفُ مِنْ بَعْدِهِمْ خُلُوفٌ يَقُولُونَ مَا لَا يَفْعَلُونَ وَيَفْعَلُونَ مَا لَا يُؤْمَرُونَ then after them there came generations there were generations who came and they would say that which they did not do they would say that which they, that which they did not do and they would do that which they were not commanded so whoever فَمَنْ جَاهَدَهُمْ بِيَدِهِ فَهُوَ مُؤْمِنٍ so whoever strove against them with his hand, then he is a believer. وَمَنْ جَاهَدَهُمْ بِلِسَانِهِ فَهُوَ مُؤْمِنٌ And whoever strove against them with his tongue, then he is a believer. وَمَنْ جَاهَدَهُمْ بِقَلْبِهِ فَهُوَ مُؤْمِنٌ And whoever strove against them with his heart, then he is a believer. وَلِيسَ وَرَاءَ ذَلِكَ مِنَ الْإِيمَانِ حَبَّةُ خَرْضَلٍ And beyond that, there is not, you know, like a seed's weight or amount of iman so as you can see from this hadith very very clearly every prophet was sent with the truth and around him there were helpers and aiders and supporters they stuck to his sunnah and they did whatever he commanded after them came a people there came a people and they they would say what they would not do and also, they would do that which they were not commanded. And it is these people who have these two traits, saying that which you do not do, and doing that which you are not commanded in the religion. These are the people who enter into this religion, the corruption, the, the facade, the tabdeel, the tahrif, the, the alteration, the distortion, which is what the Yahud and the Nasara fell into. So therefore the messenger said, whoever strives against them, whether with his hand or with his tongue, or whether he just dislikes and hates it in his heart, then such a person is a believer.
And likewise, similarly, upon the same meaning, we see that Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah, he also said uh, in a statement of his in, in uh, Majmu' al-Fatawa in the 28th volume, page 231, uh, he said that, I'll just read, the, I'll translate the, uh, the English. He said, when giving sincerity or when giving sincere advice is obligatory, giving nasiha is wajib in the religion and especially when it comes to the benefits to do with the religion right this is this is where advice is most obligatory in the affairs of religion and he says an example of this an example of this is when we see that the narrators of hadith the people who narrated hadith sometimes they might make mistakes or they might lie even right they might confuse things in the narration some of them might even fall into lying and just like Yahya bin Sa'id he said I asked Malik al-Thawri al-Layth bin Sa'ad al-Awza'i about a man who is you know suspected in his narration of hadith or he does not preserve or memorize very well so they all said, explain his affair, affair to the people. Meaning, this is one example of where Ibn Taymiyyah is giving uh, an illustration of where giving sincere advice in religion is obligatory. It is in the case, and this happened historically speaking, in the case where people who narrate hadith, where we know they fall into mistakes, or we know some of them even lie. It is obligatory, obligatory to explain their condition to the people, you know, for the benefit of the religion. And some of them said, وَقَالَ بَعْدُهُمْ لِأَحْمَدْ بِنْ حَنْبَلْ Some of them said to Ahmed bin Hanbal that, you know, indeed it, it is hard upon me, I find it very hard for me to say, so-and-so person is such and such, and so-and-so person is such and such. So Imam Ahmed said, إِذَا سَكَتَّ أَنْتَ وَسَكَتَّ أَنَا he said, if, if the likes of me and you, if I, if I remain silent, and you remain silent, how then will the ignorant person know what is authentic from that which is inauthentic? Right? How will we know? Meaning, with respect to the narrations of the Messenger of Allah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So then, Ibn Taymiyyah continues and he says, likewise, Right, so this is now to do with the narrators of hadith. He said, likewise, the heads of innovation from those people who speak with statements which oppose the Quran, the book, and the Sunnah. Right, so the same thing applies to them. Right, it is obligatory advice to the Ummah that those who bring statements, statements uh, of belief, of, of methodology, which oppose the Quran and the Sunnah, it is from obligatory advice to explain the reality of their condition. Or he says, or, ibadat al-mukhalifah lil kitabi wa sunnah. Or in relation to acts of worship, which oppose the book and the Sunnah. Right? So he's given us three examples. The narrators of hadith. Number two, the people of innovation who bring statements you know, uh, which oppose the Quran and the Sunnah. 
and the people of worship, innovations in worship, who worship Allah through other than what He commanded. He said that فَإِنَّ بِيَانْ حَالِهِمْ وَتَحْذِيرِ الْأُمَّ مِنْهُمْ وَاجِبٌ بِاتِّفَاقِ الْمُسْلِمِينَ Indeed, to explain their condition and to warn the Ummah from them is obligatory by, con by agreement of the Muslims. Right? So you can see that this methodology here, as we said before, is something that Allah legislated in the Quran, in the Sunnah, as part and parcel of the preservation of his religion, firstly, and secondly, in order to make it... Uh, you know, to, to overcome all other religions. It is precisely because of these methodologies that Islam, the Quran, the Sunnah, Islam, the correct understanding, it will not go the way of the Yahud, the Nasara, and, you know, the people of the other, of the Diyanat, or the other or the religions. So he then continued and he said, حَتَّى li Ahmed bin Hanbal Until it was even said to Ahmed bin Hanbal, a man, he fasts, he prays, he makes i'tikaf, is this more beloved to you that a man does this or that he speaks or that he speaks about the people of innovation so Imam Ahmad said when he prays when he fasts when he makes it itikaf this is only for the benefit of himself he benefits himself However, However, when he speaks about the people of Bid'ah, then this is for the Muslims. This is for the benefit of the Muslims. And this is superior. So then Ibn Taymiyyah, after mentioning this, he says, meaning Imam Ahmed, Imam Ahmed explained that the benefit of this is general for all of the Muslims in their religion. And it is a type of jihad in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then he clarifies that to clarify and to purify the path of Allah and the deen of Allah and his minhaj, his methodology and his shari'ah, his legislation and to repel the likes of these people and their enmity, all of this is wajibun ala al-kifayah. Meaning that must be some from among the Muslim nation who perform this obligation to remove the burden from everybody else. Right? There must be from the, the, the Muslim Ummah those who clarify the path of Allah and explain this, you know, this, this is the path of the Khawarij, this is the path of the Rafida, this is the path of the Murji'ah, this is the path of the Mu'tazila, this is the path of Jahmiyyah, this is the path of Ikhwan, this is the path of Tabligh, this is the path of this. There must be those who perform this obligation to remove the burden from everybody else. And then he says, had it not been, had it not been that Allah establishes people, scholars, who repel the likes of these people, din, then the religion would have been corrupted. And وَكَانَ فَسَادُهُ أَعْذَمُ مِنْ فَسَادِ مِنْ أَهْلِ In fact, Ibn Taymi says, that the corruption which results from the people of misguidance, innovation and deviation, the corruption that results upon the people of Islam, upon their deen, that corruption is greater 
than the corruption which occurs when an enemy from the people of war when they conquer a Muslim land. Right? And he says, because those people, when they, when they conquer a land, a Muslim land, they do not corrupt the hearts and what is what is in the what is you know what they have of religion except as you know as as over time like over a long time but as for these people meaning the people of innovation and deviation they corrupt the hearts from the very beginning from the very beginning of the affair right you know it's like if you have an enemy which and this this has happened in recent times you know they 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 go to the Muslim nations like maybe Iraq or Afghanistan or Libya or whatever else, they conquer these nations, they destroy these nations. None of the people, none of the Muslims are going to be affected by, by the religion of these people because they know this is, this is an enemy, right? Who's come to corrupt our worldly affairs, to plunder our oil, to loot our resources, you know, to weaken us, whatever. They know, they know this. So your heart is already averse to an external enemy and whatever he might have, of, of religion, of culture, of whatever it might be. You're not going to be affected by that. Right? So, so the danger of these people is less than someone who comes to you, you know, and he comes to you with, you know, he's a Sufi maybe, he brings to you Wahdatul Wujud, or he's an Ikhwani, or he's a Tablighi, or he's a Rafidi, and he poisons you against the Sahaba, radiallahu anhum. Right? He undermines the hadith of the Messenger of Allah, or whatever it might be. Right, these people they corrupt your heart from the very beginning. Beginning from from the outset, they corrupt your heart. And so all of this, this statement of Shaykh Islam Ibn Taymiyyah, as you can see, it's a nice complement to the Hadith of Abdullah bin Masood, radhiyallahu anhu. And so these two texts, you know, the Hadith and the commentary of Shaykh Islam Ibn Taymiyyah, it kind of nicely explains this collection of athar that Shaykh Ubaid Ta'ala has, has compiled together for our benefit to help us understand the importance of this issue. So we now move to the 13th of the 14 statements that Shaykh Ubaid brings. And this statement is a statement from Ibn Al-Qayyim Rahimahullah Ta'ala. And this is in his book Al-Fawaid. Al-Fawaid. And this statement from Ibn Al-Qayyim Rahimahullah is really, it explains to us by giving the example of the people of the book from the Jews and the Christians in particular, particularly the Yahud, how their scholars went astray, how their scholars became misguided, and this led to the corruption of their religion, and how this also is something that happens in this Ummah. Right? So he says, uh, Shaykh Ubaid quoting Ibn al-Qayyim, وقال Ibn al-Qayyim rahimahullah, كل من آثر الدنيا من أهل العلم واستحبها فلا بد أن يقول على الله غير الحق في فتواه وحكمه في خبره وإلزامه. He says every person who gives preference to the world from the people of knowledge and he loves the world then it is necessary that he is going to say upon Allah other than the truth. In a fatwa that he gives, or a judgment that he gives, you know, or in his uh, reporting, or whatever it might be. 
right? So meaning, and he's speaking about the people of knowledge, you know, because there are ulama, there are people of knowledge, as we found amongst the Yahud, who despite having ilm, despite having memorized, despite having acquired knowledge across various areas, in their hearts is a love for the dunya. And as Ibn al-Qaim says, anyone who in whose heart is a preference for the world, then it is a must, it is necessary that this person is going to speak about Allah's religion with other than the truth. And he says, Many of the rulings of uh, the Lord, subhanahu, often we see that they are opposed to the desires of the people. Right? What Allah revealed in his sharia of commands, of prohibitions, of legislations, we know that they are opposed to the desires that people find in themselves. Because people have desires. People have desire for wealth. People have desire for lusts. People have desire for power. People have desire for fame, fortune. People have, people have these desires. And this is, this is, you know, Allah has put these, these lusts in people, right? To uh, lust after wealth, possession, gold, silver, women, children, possessions, houses. This is how it is. Authority. So inevitably, that which Allah has revealed of his legislation to, to keep the affairs of his servants upright, those legislations are going to go against the, you know, ahwa, the, 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 the desires and the goals of people. And especially the Sheikh says, uh, Ibn Qayyim says, وَلَا سِيِّمَا أَحْلُ الرِّئَاسَةِ وَالَّذِينَ يَتَّبِعُونَ الشُّبُهَاتِ Especially the people who seek leadership. And especially those who pursue doubts, you know, in the religion. And he says, those types of people, their desires will not be completed, their goals, except by opposing the truth and repelling the truth often. And so when you, when you have an alim, فَإِذَا كَانَ الْعَالِمْ وَالْحَاكِمْ مُحِبًّا لِلْرِعَاسَةِ مُتَّبِئًا لِلْشَّهْوَاتِ So when you find a scholar or a ruler, who loves leadership and who follows his desires, then he will not be able to achieve these things, meaning his leadership and his desires, except by repelling what opposes his desires of the truth. And especially at the same time, if there are, there are some doubts which arise in him as well. So what happens is, is that the shubha, and the shahwa, right? These two things now mixed together in that person's heart, right? There's, there's a desire for something, a goal, an objective of the world. And then in terms of knowledge, he also has a misunderstanding of the issues, right? Or there's a shubha which emerges in his heart. So these two things now combine together and compound together as a result of which what happens is that he the truth becomes hidden to him. Even though the truth is very apparent to everybody else. Right? And, and um, you know, he then uh, opposes uh, the truth and then he proceeds to whatever is opposed to the truth and then he justifies it to himself by saying, you know what? I have the option of making tawbah. I can make tawbah. 
Right, so I'll, I'll fall, fall into this and then, and then I'll make Tawbah. Right, so here what Ibn al-Qayyim is doing, he's explaining to us the process by which even an alim, a scholar, or a ruler, can uh, follow his desires, follow his, you know, his whims and try to achieve the goals of the world, and then coupled with his ignorance or misconceptions which he harbors, these two things work together in his heart and they lead him to oppose the Quran and the Sunnah. Right? Sometimes it is with ignorance, other times it is deliberately done. Right? He knows what he's doing, so he justifies to himself saying, you know what, okay, I'll do this, but I have a way out, I'll make repentance. Right? So, so he's kind of deceiving himself by thinking, no matter what I do, Allah is going to forgive me. Right, this process right here is exactly what the Jews fall into, the Yahud. And in fact, there are verses in the Quran that Ibn al-Qayyim is going to mention that actually mentions this, you know, this very thing. So he mentions among the ayat, فَخَلَفَ مِنْ بَعْدِهِمْ خَلْفٌ أَضَاءُ الصَّلَاةِ وَاتَّبَعُ الشَّهَوَاتِ And also the statement of Allah Azza wa Jal, فَخَلَفَ مِنْ بَعْدِهِمْ خَلْفٌ وَرِثُ الْكِتَابِ So he says that those uh, people who came after them, who inherited the book, meaning inherited the Torah, and what they would do, يَأْخُذُونَ عَرَضَ هَذَا الْأَدْنَى What they would do is that whether some worldly issue, whether it is halal or haram, they would deliberately pursue that issue, not caring whether it is halal or haram for them, because they know they benefit in the worldly sense, and they would enter into it. Then they would say, Oh, I can make tawbah. Allah, Allah will forgive me. For me, it's tawbah. Right? Because they know they're doing something wrong. Then, while they are hoping for tawbah, they then fall into it again. Right? Then, if another opportunity comes to them to again acquire something from the world, whether through halal or haram, right? It doesn't matter to them. Right, they will fall into it again at the same time as hoping that Allah is going to forgive them. Right, meaning that this is the way of the Yahud. Right, it is to follow your desires, pursue the world, irrespective of how you acquire it, whether it's halal or haram or justice or injustice. Right, and then you then you deceive yourself into thinking, you know what, Allah is going to forgive me anyway. So you know, there's uh, istighfar for me. Then, as they are hoping for that istighfar, they're in a situation where they fall into the very same thing again. This tariqah, this way, is the way of the Yahud. And, um, you know, with respect to their Torah. And Ibn al-Qayyim continues and he says that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he explained that, that they took, that they preferred a lower portion, meaning this is the world compared to the hereafter, alongside their knowledge that it is haram for them to acquire it in that way. Right? This could be some you know, some type of trade which is unlawful or whatever it might be, some, some unlawful means, they know it is haram. And then they say, we shall be forgiven. And then if the same thing presents itself to them again, another similar situation, they will take it again. They will take wealth or something like that unlawfully, right? They will embezzle it or whatever it might be. And so they will be persisting upon that crime and upon that sin and at the same time thinking, oh, we will be forgiven, we will be forgiven, we will be forgiven. And then, 
to justify their action that they which they know they are doing wrong they will then speak about Allah with other than the truth meaning now they will start playing with the religion in order to justify their behavior right so they will start lying against Allah they will say this is Allah's hukum this is Allah's sharia this is Allah's deen meaning you know this this type of trade or this type of behavior or this type of conduct or this whatever all of this this, this is lawful in Allah's religion or uh, you know and despite the fact them knowing full well that Allah's religion his legislation and his ruling is opposed to what they are claiming right so now they are deliberately lying against Allah's deen or it could be the case that they do not actually know that this thing they are falling into is is you know uh, whether it's from his religion or not from his sharia or not right so one time fataratan yaquluna ala allahi ma la ya'lamun so uh, on an occasion they say upon allah that which they have no knowledge of that which they do not know wataratan yaquluna alayhi bima ya'lamuna butlanahu and another time they say that which they know full well that it is it is false right so this whole process that ibn al-qayyim has mentioned is explaining to us how even a scholar if there is in his heart a lust a desire a preference maybe it could be for wealth could be for leadership could be for recognition could be for fame right inevitably he is going to fall into situations where he is going to either deliberately speak something that he knows to be opposed to the religion to justify his behavior or he is going to speak upon ignorance right that which he does not know to be from the religion he just speaks upon ignorance uh, this is the way that the yahud and the nasara they fell into corruption and altered their religion in contrast ibn al-qayyim mentions those scholars as for those who have taqwa of Allah, they know that the hereafter is better than this world. And so therefore, they are not carried by love of the world or by desires that you know they prefer the world over the hereafter. And what is the path of these people? Uh, he says the way to this is that they stick fast to the book and the sunnah that they seek aid by way of sabr being patient and the prayer and that they reflect upon this world and realize that it will end it is it is lowly whereas the hereafter is something that is coming and it is permanent and you know this is the way of the people of knowledge who fear Allah Azzawajal. then Ibn Al-Qaim finishes by saying that those other people meaning the people people of knowledge in whose hearts there are preferences and lusts and desires then it is necessary that they will eventually they will innovate things into the religion they will innovate things into the religion ma'al-fujur fil-amal alongside there being corruption and sin in their action so therefore they combine between two things you know they they make ittiba of hawa they follow their desires which basically blinds 
the heart's eye, so they cannot distinguish between sunnah and bid'ah. Um, or, you know, it is reversed, so they see bid'ah as sunnah and sunnah as bid'ah. He says, all of this is the result of scholars when they prefer the world and they follow leadership, they seek leadership, and they pursue their desires. Right? So, this is the end of the speech of Ibn al-Qayyim, ta'ala. And Sheikh Ubaid basically summarizes this whole passage by saying that all of this indicates two affairs. There are two key points here. The first point is that the people of desires, the people of innovation, the people of bid'ah, what is it that brings them all together and what's, what's behind their affair? It is the world. Right? It is the world. And, you know, Amongst the people of Bid'ah, there are those who, you know, are tried by the world in small amounts, and there are those who are tried by the world in large amounts. They are engrossed in the world. To give you an example, in fact, let's give an illustration of this. We know that the first schism, or the first group, or the first sex, sect to appear uh, in, in, uh, in the nation are the Khawarij. And we know that the Khawarij, these people, they, they were present... In the time of the Prophet Tamimi and a band of people around him. And what happened is that the Messenger of Allah he distributed some charities. He gave charities to certain uh, tribes who were new to Islam. And the reason why he gave them to those tribes is because, because they were new to Islam and to soften their hearts and to you know uh, bring them closer and to uh, make their Islam to be to be firm. And he didn't give to those people who had been in Islam for a long time because they are stronger in Iman, they're able to tackle poverty and hardship and so on and so forth. This is from his wisdom. So this man, Dhul Khuwaisira, Tamimi, he came to the messenger of Allah with, with, with his people uh, around him and, and he said, Fear Allah, O Muhammad. Fear Allah. He's telling the messenger of Allah to fear Allah. And he said, this is a division. He said, I'dil, be just. And he said, this is a division by which Allah's face is not sought. So he's accusing the messenger of Allah of being unjust and not seeking the face of Allah. So some of the companions became very agitated and said, you know, let me strike the head of this hypocrite. And the messenger said, no, leave him. The man walked away and the messenger said that from the, from the offspring of this man, or from, the, from this man will, will come a people, you know, they will uh, recite the Quran it will not go beyond their throats. They will speak with the most beautiful, the most you know, alluring, beautified speech of the creation. But it will not go beyond their throats. Right? And they will, they will leave Islam as the arrow passes through the game. And they will not return to it until you know, the arrow comes back through. And many other statements that you know. These people, the reality of what they were seeking was the world. Right? They wanted the world. They wanted the wealth, which they didn't have. That's the real and true motivation that is driving them. They want wealth. When they didn't get the wealth, they then revolted. First of all, this was like a type of opposition to the Messenger of Allah. Then they surfaced in the time of Uthman bin Affan, anhu. they revolted against him. They eventually assassinated him. Then they continued to create, you know, intrigues and plots and schemes until they caused the, the tribulations 
uh, you know, uh, uh, with uh, Muawiyah and Ali, radiyallahu anhuma, and eventually they bro broke off as a separate group, group you know, the, the Khawarij, the Haruriyah, and uh, they declared Ali to be a kafir, Uthman to be a kafir, and they were simply just seeking leadership and wealth. But their excuse was they then invented doctrines to justify what they were pursuing, right? They justified uh, their pursuit of the world by way of evil doctrines, right? Takfir, uh, you know, on the issue of uh, rulership and things like that. So the point being, this is, is an example of people who pursue the world. And then Ali sent Ibn Abbas to debate with these people. These were ignorant people, didn't really know the Quran, didn't understand the Quran. They misinterpreted the Quran. And Ibn Abbas refuted all of their, of their mistakes. So it was all upon jahl, upon jahl. So they have shahwa. They are seeking the world. They are seeking wealth. They are seeking leadership. And they have shubha, shubha, which is a misconception in religion. These two things combine together in the heart. And then the outcome is, in the case of the khawarij, you see what it is with the khawarij. Right? This is the outcome. So then it leads to corruption in the affairs of the world and also corruption in the affairs of the religion. So the first point, the first summary that uh, Sheikh Ubaid mentions here is that the people of desires, what brings them all together is really worldly, worldly things. And you know, they, they vary amongst each other as to how much they are engrossed in seeking the world. And so many of the people, their love of leadership, their love of their companionship, it blinds them from explaining the truth. It blinds them from explaining the truth. Explaining the truth to the people and to you know, stand by the truth despite them having the knowledge and the ability to do so. Right? So these are reasons why a person, even an alim, may not act upon his knowledge. Right? It is pursuit of, of power, leadership. It could even be companionship. So-and-so is my companion. I can't, get, I can't let go of my companion. You know, so I will not speak the truth because it goes against what my companion, my companion. So, so it blinds him from the truth and then from speaking and standing up to, to the truth. This is the first thing that we take from the speech of Ibn al-Qayyim. The second thing Sheikh Ubaid says is that the result of doing this, meaning loving leadership and preferring companionship over the truth, he says this then leads a person to then speak about Allah's religion with what he knows to be falsehood sometimes or with what or he simply speaks without knowledge with ignorance right so it's either upon jahl on some occasions or it's to knowingly speak with falsehood knowing that this knowing this to be false and i'll give you an illustration of this second one as well you know that many of the the the, the people of innovation and hisbiya in recent times um, you know, from, from whom, against whom the scholars have spoken because they followed the way of uh, Al-Ikhwan, Al-Muslimin, the Muslim Brotherhood. They followed the way of Hassan al-Banna, Sayyid Qutb. And many of these people over the past two decades, they were refuted by the scholars, by, by the, the great major scholars, Sheikh Bin Ba, Sheikh Muthaymin, Sheikh Al-Bani. From them is, for example, you know, Abdurrahman Abdul Khaliq, right, from Kuwait. is an Ikhwani from Egypt. And he started spreading takfir, takfir of the Muslim rulers. He started attacking the scholars, right? Saying the scholars are just blind and ignorant and whatever it might be. Likewise, 
from them Adnan Arur, another one sitting in, uh, established in Kuwait, uh, again upon the same methodology. Uh, and many others, another one, Adnan Abdul Qadir, another one, right? All of these are connected to Ihya al-Turaf. This is like an Ikhwani organization in Kuwait, which uses its charity status to go out to Muslim lands, you know, in Sudan, in Somalia, and many other places, and to spread the poison of the Muslim Brotherhood, right? Of takfir, rebelling against the rulers, speaking ill of the scholars. So the, 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 the Salafi scholars like Sheikh Al-Alabani, Rahimullah, Sheikh Ibn Baz, Sheikh Ibn Uthaymeen, uh, Sheikh Al-Fawzan, uh, and many of the, the, the scholars of Medina, uh, and other than them, Sheikh Ahmed Al-Najmi, all these scholars refuted uh, these individuals. And likewise, those who came after them following the same way, the same path, Al-Ma'rabi. Okay, now, you have another group of people who have companionship with these people and they don't want to break that relationship, right? Despite the fact that the scholars have clearly explained the misguidance of these people. So what do these people do? They start inventing principles. They start inventing principles in order to justify their rejection of the truth and to keep that companionship with these people. And I'll give you an example of one of these principles. One of these principles is that before we can accept that someone, for example, has become a deviant or has become an innovator and has become misguided, there has to be a consensus, there has to be an ijma' amongst all of the contemporary scholars. And only then can we then take this as something that is actionable and agreed upon and, you know, whatever. Right, now this principle, if you were to apply this principle, right, that the only criticism we can take is basically that, or the only kind of expulsion of someone, you know, from, from self that we, that, we, that we can take, is one upon which there is consensus, ijma'. This has very, very, very rarely existed in, in history, right? And most often it is one scholar or a group of scholars or individual scholars who explain the reality of certain people, right? If you were to apply this principle, you will essentially undermine the entire religion, right? Someone can come along and say, well, you know, Yusuf al-Qardawi, you know, there's no consensus that he is a misguided innovator who, you know, turns the halal into haram and, you know, calls the unity of religions and so on. You can overturn that now. You can start applying this principle and going all the way back into history, right? And then, you know, you'll find that, okay, Jahan bin Safwan, you, you'll find some, some reason or other to justify why, you know, a so-and-so person, despite being treated as an innovator, because there wasn't a consensus, because not every scholar spoke, therefore we can't treat that to be, you know, that, that person is a deviant. Basically, you undermine everything. You, you undermine everything. So this principle, these people invented only to justify why they are still keeping friendship and companionship and you know, giving lectures with and visiting and sitting with and whatever with these people who clearly have clear deviation and have clear you know, uh, speech from the major scholars. This is an example of what Ibn al-Qayyim is speaking about 
this is a, an example of what Sheikh Obaid is speaking about, right? These are people like, like your Halabis and Ramadanis and people like that. They invent false principles to justify why they are still with Al-Ma'rabi and other people like that, right? This is, this is, this, this is what leads to corruption in the religion. So sometimes they doing, do it knowing that what they are inventing are false principles, right? But it is that friendship. Sometimes it is even money. Because so many of these people were receiving money from Ihya Turaf, which has millions and millions and millions because they collect donations. So they'll say, oh, we'll come and build you a masjid. We'll come and build you a center. We'll come and give you this. We'll come and give you that. Right? So, so under the, the, the lure of money, they will then keep silent and not say anything because you know, the money and the masjid is greater to them than actually you know, holding on to speaking with uh, you know the truth, right? So it's 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 these things happen. Uh, these things have happened. So this is why uh, this issue is very very important uh, for us to know. And the Sheikh then goes on to say. So sometimes these people do it knowingly. Other times they do it out of ignorance. They don't know uh, that because of ignorance they've just spoken something which is false in religion. So the Sheikh then goes on to say, this result. This is the result. This is what happens. And we ask Allah Azawajal, you know, to pardon us in this, you know, in, in the affairs of religion and the world and the hereafter. And, uh, you know, upon us is to hold fast to the sunnah. And uh, we ask Allah Azawajal that he, you know, uh, uh, erases the people of desires and ends, you know, their power and their strength. So this is the 13th statement from Ibn Al-Qayyim, rahimahullah. We finish with the final statement which Sheikh Ubaid brings from Sheikh Ibn Thaymeen, rahimahullahu ta'ala. And this is a very beautiful statement also. Uh, it explains when a person innovates something into the religion which is not from it, he falls into six or seven crimes. He falls into six or seven crimes. And the Sheikh says, let a person know well yalam and manibtada feedin illahi malisa minhu for innahu yaka fi iddati mahadir minha let it be known that whoever innovates into the religion of Allah that which is not from it, then he will fall into numerous cautionary affairs. From them are number one the first cautioned uh, uh, against affair. That his action That his action of innovating something into the religion, it comprises a rejection of what the statement of Allah indicates. Meaning, this day have I perfected for you your religion. This is Ayah in the Quran in Surah Al-Ma'idah. Allah said, this day have I perfected for you your religion. So the one who innovates something into the religion, his action is effectively treating the statement of Allah to be a lie. It's as if he is saying, this statement of Allah is not true. Allah did not complete his religion on that day. Right? His action is basically making taqdeeb of this, the statement of Allah Azza wa Jal. 
And then the Shaykh continues, لِأَنَّ هَذَا الَّذِي أَحْدَثَهُ وَأَعْتَقَدَهُ دِينًا لَمْ يَكُنْ مِنَ الدِّينَ حِينَ نُزُولِ الْآيَةِ فَيَكُونُ الدِّينَ لَهُ لَمْ يَكْمَلْ عَلَى مُقْتَضَى بِدَعَتِهِ So he said, because this thing which this man, he innovated and he believed, which he innovated or he believed, so this could be in belief or action, it could be an act of worship or it could be a belief, like we see the belief of the Jahmiyyah, the belief of the Mu'tazila, the belief, these are beliefs which people invent, invented. Or it could be an act of worship, various types of acts of worship that people invented throughout the ages. Uh, this was not known to be religion when this verse was revealed. Right, so when this verse was revealed, was there the deen of the Jahmiyyah? Was there the deen of the Mu'tazila, of the Qadariyyah? Was there the actions and practices of the Sufis? Of, of, you know, the, was there the Mawlid? Was there, none of these things were present. So when those things were not present, at the moment this ayah was revealed, then you know, that means that according to this man and his innovation, it means that the religion had not been completed on that day and therefore Allah did not speak the truth. Right, so this is the first implication of a person who invents things into the religion. The second, Al-Mahdhur Al-Thani, Al-Nabtida'ahu, Yatadhamman At-Taqaddum Bayna Yadi Allah Wa Rasulih. That him inventing something into the religion, it comprises putting himself ahead of Allah and his messenger. In the sense that he entered something into the deen of Allah, what is not from it. And Allah Zawajal, he legislated legislations and he laid down hudud, shara'a shara'i wa hadda al-hudud, wa hadhra min ta'diha, min ta'diha, that he laid down legislations, he laid down limits and he warned from transgressing those limits. And there is no doubt that the one who invents something into the religion, what is not from it, then he has put himself forward ahead of Allah and his messenger, and he has transgressed the limits of Allah, and whoever transgress, transgresses the limits of Allah, that whoever transgresses the limits of Allah, then they are from the oppressors. And so here the Shaykh is referring to the very first ayah in Surah Al-Hujarat, in which Allah Azzawajal, he says, يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا لَا تُقَدِّمُوا بَيْنَ يَدِي اللَّهِ وَرَسُولِهِ O you who believe, do not put yourselves ahead of Allah and His Messenger. So this now is the second thing or implication uh, for a person who falls into, you know, innovating something into the religion. The third thing, Al-Mahdhur Al-Thalith, أن ابتداعه يستلزم جعل نفسه شريكا مع الله تعالى في الحكم بين عباده كما قال تعالى أم لهم شركاء شرعوا لهم من الدين ما لم يأذن به الله The third implication is that when he innovates something into the religion it necessitates that he has made himself to be a partner with Allah, the Most High, in judging between His servants. In judging between His servants. Because Allah Azawajal, He said, Do they, Am Lahum Shuraka, do they have partners? 
who have legislated for them in the religion what Allah has not given any permission for. So the person who comes along, he innovates a belief or a practice or a methodology into the religion, then he's just made himself to be a legislator alongside Allah in passing judgments for his servants. That's what he's, that's what he's done. This is the third thing. The fourth thing, the fourth cautionary thing, Al-Mahdur Al-Rabi' He says that Al-Nibtada'ahu yastalzimu wahidan min amrain Wahuma imma in yakuna al-Nabi Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam jahilan Bikawni hadha al-amal min al-Din Wa imma in yakuna aliman bithalik Walakin katamahu wa kilahuma qadhun Fi al-Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam he said that the person innovating into the religion, it necessitates one of two things. One of two things. Either the Prophet ﷺ was ignorant of this action in the religion, so he didn't know. Or the Messenger of Allah ﷺ knew, he knew this is from the religion, but he, didn't, but, but he concealed it. He concealed it. He didn't explain it to the people. And so either of these two things that you might be claiming is a revilement of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. As for the first, So in the first instance, you are implying that the Messenger of Allah was ignorant of the, of the rulings of the Sharia. And in the second case, you are, you are accusing him of actually concealing that which he knows to be from the religion of Allah, deliberately withholding knowledge from his Ummah. And both of these two are evil, you know, they, 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 are, they are attacks upon the integrity of the Messenger of Allah and his, and his Risala and his Prophethood. The fifth precaution or the fifth caution, sorry, that a person falls into is, the Shaykh says, that this innovating this affair into the religion, it leads people to start attacking, you know, uh, to, to start, you know, taking liberties with and attacking the Sharia of Allah and start entering into the Sharia, what is not from it, of beliefs, of statements, of actions. And this is from the greatest of transgression, which Allah has prohibited from. And this is exactly what the Yahud and the Nasara, they did. They altered their religion, they distorted their religion. Uh, just like with the Yahud, for example, you know, the history of the Yahud, uh, they, they mingled among the nations, the Egyptians, the Babylonians, the, the you know, Romans, and they acquired many of the, the beliefs and the practices of these people. And you know, they, 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 they entered these affairs into their religion, so they corrupted their religion. The same thing happened uh, with, with the Nasara, with the Christians, because they came under the, the wing of Rome and Greece and, and so on and so forth. And eventually, even with the Muslims, the way this happened or came into the Muslims is because of people like, like Al-Jahm bin Safwan, Al-Ja'ad bin Dirham. Uh, these people were mingling with the Sabi'ah, with the Yahud, with the Nasara, debating with them, arguing with them, sitting with them, you know, upon Jahl. And so the effect of these nations, uh, the Greeks, the Romans, the Persians, the Hindus, the Sabi'ah, the Yahud, the Nasara, all of these things which entered into Islam whether it's, you know, uh, the, the, the bid'ah of the Khawarij through Abdullah bin Saba al-Yahudi, or whether it's the bid'ah of the, the Qadariyah, negating al-Qadar, 
this was already with, with the Yahud and the Nasara or saying that the Quran is created, right? The, the, the Jews used to say the Torah is created, right? And used to deny the sifat of Allah All these innovations, when you think and when you, when, you, when you look into this and you look at Tasawwuf, where did Tasawwuf come from? The Sufism, you know, from the direction of the East, where there were lots of Buddhists and, you know, in Balkh and those regions towards Afghanistan. Well, where did that come from? Right? All of these innovations which came into Islam, they came from the influence of the nations. And they came through individuals who, upon ignorance, they, they, they mingled with these people, debated with these people, and they came under influence you know, from, with these statements. And then they began to merge them with Islam and then you know, entered them into, into the Ummah. And so this affair of innovating into the religion when when one person does it it then it's basically it you know gives people uh, the, the 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 avenue or the doorway to start entering creeds acts of worship statements and so this is the worst type of transgression harmful transgression against the deen of allah azawajal because it leads to the corruption of the deen of allah azawajal and that's why this topic that we are discussing that we have been discussing for the past you know four lessons and this lesson about the way of the Salaf and how the way of the Salaf is founded upon clarity and distinguishing truth from falsehood and making clear the people of the truth uh, from the, the people of falsehood, right? That this is the reason why this religion will be preserved and it will not go the way of the Yahud and the Nasara and why this deen will continue up until Isa alayhi salam and you know, uh, you know, he, he will come and he will judge by the Quran. You know, this this is this religion will continue uh, precisely because it has been preserved by way of this methodology. Uh, and then, so that was the fifth one, the fifth one, the sixth one, Al Mahdur Al Sadis, that that his innovating into the religion and ibtidahu you addi ila tafriq al ummah wa tastitiha wa tikhad kulli wahidin aw daifatin manhajan. يسلقه ويتهم غيره بالقصور أو التقصير فتقع الأمة فيما نهى الله عنه بقوله ولا تكون كالذين تفرقوا واختلفوا من بعد ما جاءهم البينات وأولئك لهم عذاب عظيم. The sixth caution that a person falls into is that this person innovating this will now lead to the splitting of the ummah. The splitting and the splintering of the ummah. And every person will now come and he will take his group or his way, his party, his view. He will make that to be as an actual path that is to be followed. And then he will start accusing everybody else. Oh, you are the one who's falling short. You are the one who's fallen into misguidance, right? So therefore the ummah as a result of this will then fall into what Allah had prohibited in the Quran. Allah said, وَلَا تَكُونُوا كَالَّذِينَ تَفَرَّقُوا وَاخْتَلَفُوا Do not be like those who split and who differed after the clear evidence came to them. For them is a painful punishment. Meaning, this is speaking exactly, do not, do not be like the Jews, do not be like the Christians. Those who split in their religion and differed after the evidence clearly came to them. Right? This is a warning to this ummah. And it actually happened in this ummah. And also the statement of Allah Azza wa Jal, وَفِي مَا حَذَّرَ مِنْهُ بِقَوْلِهِ 
indeed those who split their religion and turn into sects you O Muhammad have nothing to do with them whatsoever indeed their affair is with Allah then Allah will inform them of that which they used to that which they used to do that which they used to do so here we can see that one of the consequences evil consequences of innovating in the religion is splitting of the Muslim Ummah and everybody knows this and can see this to such a degree that even in the early second century there were some of the Salaf who would say they would say that in my family my uncles were, were you know Qadaris and my father was a you know was a Rafidi and my this was so and so like in one household you'd have people of different creeds living in one household and you know this has never continued up until now today you see that in one household somewhere in London for example you'll have you know the son who is a you know Ikhwani and the, another son who's a Tahriri and the daughter who's like a Sufi and the, the, some poor, poor guy there who's, who's the Salafi in this in the household who has to deal with all these people right this this is a reality as we as, as we speak right now right this is and why has all of this come about it's come about specifically because of, of the of these innovations right so we can't deny these realities and this is why those people who come along like al-ikhwan al-muslimin muslim brotherhood who try to sweep all of this under the carpet let's put it all under the carpet and let's just let's unite and be, be brothers this is this this is utmost foolishness this this cannot be this is like this is like you know you want to build a house but the foundations are all cracked the foundations are cracked that the concrete it's cracked right there's a crack here and it's one sliding this way and there's a crack here and it's sliding that way right and so what we are saying is you cannot build a house on top of this until you straighten out this foundation you fill the cracks you seal it up you make it level do not build a house on top of this and all these other people they are saying no 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 you're causing splits you know you're splitting muslims no no, no. let's unite everybody together and let's build let's build unity let's build a house right this is a house that's going to collapse maybe in two years three years it's going to start sinking remember this is how the people of Bidah are deceived right they, they, they call to this fake type of unity it's a unity outwardly of the bodies only so for the time being they seem to be united and eventually what will start happen is that the schism the, the, the true schisms in the heart will eventually begin to surface amongst themselves Right? And this is something inevitable amongst all of the people of Bid'ah and Dalala. It happened with the Khawarij. The Khawarij fought against each other, declared each other to be disbelievers. They sought leadership against each other. They split and splintered. The Mu'tazla likewise. Because they were upon Batil, upon a Batil statement, they then began to argue about, upon so many things and they splintered and became so many different factions. Likewise the Ash'aris and so on and so forth. This is the nature of, of you know, uh, innovation. Right? It will lead to splitting, splintering, even further and further and further. So those people who come along and they try to throw all of this under the table, 
and say, let us just unite, everybody is, is you know, Sunni, everyone's this, whatever. They are, the, the example is just like the example I gave, you want to build a house on cracked, unstable foundations. Yes, you're gonna build the house, and yes, it'll look nice and everything, and you know, it'll, things will be fine for maybe six months, or you know, t a year or something, and then eventually you'll start seeing that that wall seems a bit disfigured, and hang on, there's, there's cracks over here in this wall because of the, and that's what will happen, right? So we should not be deceived by, by all of these uh, uh, statements. And conversely, they will say to us, you are splitting the ummah and you are dividing the Muslims and you are this and you are this. No. We are saying that this, these people who are trying to build, they, they, they are not qualified. They, 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 are, they are fools who are trying to build. Do, do not listen to them. Do not, do not live in this, you know, this, this abode because it's going to... Yet they say, no, you are the troublemakers. You are the trouble causers. You are spitting people. You are dividing people. You are causing... No, no, no. We, we're trying to unite you. We just can't see. Right? So anyone who ignores... The importance of these narrations sticking to the way of the Salaf, right, and bringing true unity, then he will fall into so much corruption. He will speak with ignorance. He will invent false principles. He will he will fall into injustice and zulm of accusing people what they are free of. This is what will happen, and this is exactly what you see from the people of Hizbiyah, people of Dalala, people of you know. This is what they fall into. Uh, the seventh and final Mahdur al Mahdur Sabir. He says that his innovation will preoccupy him, will lead him to being preoccupied with his own innovation, and he will leave that which is actually legislated. And that's because for innahu mabdhada aqoman bid'atan illa illa hadamu min ashar ma yuqabiluha. That no people innovated into the religion and innovation except that they destroyed what is its counterpart in the, the, the Sharia, right? So whenever you invent an act of worship, which is not from the Sharia, you will be preoccupied by that innovated act of worship away from, you know, what, what is its counterpart in the Sharia, right? You don't need to do that because there's already something in the Sharia that, that, that is already there for you to, to act upon. So, so what will happen is that they'll be preoccupied by that and abandon something from the Sharia. And this is how tabdeel of the religion takes place. This is how distortion and alteration of the religion takes place. You innovate something into the religion. Like, for example, the Mawlid celebrating the Prophet's you know, birthday. And by being preoccupied with that thing, even though there are many things in the Sharia that Allah legislated for you to, you know, respect and love the Messenger, and you know, there are many things that, that are there in the Sharia. He's mentioned in the Adhan, he's mentioned in, in, in the Salah. You know, there are so many ways that we remember and we, you know, uh, send Salat and Salam upon the Messenger of Allah and we love him. There are so many legislated ways that, that, that are there. But when you innovate this thing, you will be preoccupied with that thing and you will abandon many things from the Sharia over here, right? And you will leave them and you will turn this into the religion. And as this happens over time and more and more, what happens is an alteration of the religion. The religion changes until you don't even recognize it anymore, right? So the seventh cautionary thing that a person falls into is that he will be preoccupied away from what is legitimately from the Sharia by way of his innovation. And uh, 
The Shaykh says that indeed in what has come in the book of Allah Ta'ala or what is authentic from the Messenger of Allah وسلم, of the Sharia, there is sufficiency in that for the one whom Allah has guided. And he will not be in need of anything else you know, after that. Then the Shaykh, Shaykh ibn Thameen, he quotes the statement of Allah, Ya ayyuhalladheena aama, ya ayyuhannas, qad ja'atkum ma'u'idhatum min rabbikum, wa shifa'un lima fi sudur, wa hudan wa rahmatun, wa hudan wa rahmatun lil mu'mineen. O mankind, there has come to you a admonition from your Lord, and a healing for that which is in the hearts, and guidance and mercy for the believers. قُلْ بِفَضْلِ اللَّهِ Say, in the bounty of Allah and in His mercy, let them rejoice in that. It is better than that which they gather, meaning of wealth in the world. So meaning, in the guidance of Allah, in the mercy of Allah, in that which Allah has sent, let them rejoice with that, and you know, meaning act upon it, and so on and so forth. And also, Allah the Most High said, فَإِمَّا يَأْتِيَنَّكُمْ مِنِّي هُدَى فَمَنِ اتَّبَعَ هُدَايَ فَلَا يَضِلُّ وَلَا يَشْقَى And if there comes to you from me guidance, then whoever follows my guidance, then he will neither go astray, nor will he be wretched. Right? So, in sufficing yourself with Allah's legislation, the legislated acts of worship, the legislated beliefs, the legislated statements, Right? You will be upon right guidance. You will never go astray. So this is the end of the quote from Shaykh Ibn Faymeen, rahimahullah ta'ala. And finally, Shaykh Ubaid, he just concludes this particular section, basically by saying that these are 14 pieces of advice which, I have, uh, which we have quoted uh, to you uh, from a group of the notable scholars, the leading scholars of the religion and iman, you know, from the time of the Salaf uh, to this day of ours. And all of them, what do they comprise? All of them mention encouragement to stick fast and hold fast to the Sunnah, to be wary of the people of Bid'ah. And so you should stick to this advice and not turn to the right or to the left, you know, to these other obscure um, pathways and strange ways, you know, because then you, you will, you'll suffer hardship, you'll suffer harms, and you will fall into things that will destroy you. So, you know, if you are a seeker of truth, stick to these pieces of advice, understand them really well, and, um, you know, follow the path uh, that was taken by those uh, scholars. And then the Shaykh just finishes by simply just making dua, you know, for guidance and to make us firm, you know, with a firm statement in this life and the next. And uh, the Shaykh finishes by saying, Barakallahu feekum, may Allah bless you. And wa sallallahu wa sallim ala nabina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi. So may Allah... Send salat and salam upon his Prophet Muhammad and upon his companions and his and his family's companions. So with that, we'll conclude uh, today's lesson. So this is the end of this entire section uh, that we've been discussing for the past five weeks. In the next lesson, uh, we have a number of um, small kind of pieces of advice from the Sheikh, uh, explanation of certain ayat and you know a hadith. So we'll do that in the next lesson, inshallah ta'ala. This brings us to the end of today's lesson. Walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Wa sallallahu ala nabina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.
There's a question here about uh, an event that's happening in Bradford. Um, there's uh, numerous speakers invited. It seems to be like an Ahl al-Hadith uh, con conference. And from the speakers is uh, a man by the name of Adnan Abdul Qadir. In fact, I mentioned him in, 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 the, lect in the lecture. Adnan Abdul Qadir, uh, Sahib Hassan, and you know a few others um, I'm not familiar with. Uh, I mean, I already mentioned in, in, in the uh, lesson uh, Adnan Abdul Qadir and he is a man who's been refuted by many of the scholars uh, he was refuted by the committee of major scholars for a book that he wrote back in 2000 uh, on an issue of creed on an issue of to do with Iman um, this is by the committee of scholars um, in fact he's been refuted on, on fiqh issues like even he uh, for example and obviously that's the least of affairs you know uh, he gave fatwas which which I really don't really have any basis. For example, that you can pray, you can follow an imam, for example, by watching the TV. In salah, for example, right? Sheikh Albani has some speech against him on that. Uh, many scholars have spoken against him, Sheikh Fawzan. Um, and, you know, he has many, many calamities, many, many calamities. And he is from the, the group called Ihya al-Turaf, right, in Kuwait. There's him, Adnan Abdul Qadir, Abdurrahman Abdul Khaliq, there's Adnan Arur. All of these people, they have <coughs> calamities with them, calamities with them, serious, serious uh, issues. And this, we are speaking like 15, 20 years ago. So the fact that these people are surfacing now, like after 15, 20 years, when, when you know, there are many, many new people uh, in the da'wah, in Salafiyyah, and trying to learn, and they come across these names. They've never heard these before. But these are things, with, these are affairs which are, done and dusted and finished and over and, and clear as daylight, you know, from 15, 20 years ago. So uh, this man, Adnan Abdul Qadir, like I said, uh, this group, Ihya al-Turaf, and their big sheikh, Abdurrahman Abdul Khalik, he's a takfiri who tried to bring the poison of Hassan al-Banna, Sayyid Qutb, into the ranks of the Salafis by way of this organization. He was refuted by many, many, many of the scholars, Sheikh Albani, Sheikh Imba, Sheikh you know, uh, Sheikh Hamdan Najmi, Sheikh Rabi, Sheikh, many, many scholars actually refuted many of his exaggerations. In fact, Sheikh bin Baz wrote a specific uh, Nasiha Stoke refutation of many of his points. And they're available. You can go to uh, ikhwanis.com, the website, and you'll find all this information on there. So him, Adnan Abdul Qadir, Adnan Arur, all of them, they are part and parcel of the same kind of network of people. Uh, they... Uh, spread the, these kind of shubuhat, uh, they give fatwa other than the fatwa of the people of knowledge, uh, they have mistakes in, in creed, uh, you know, so many so many calamities that we could you know, mention. Um, uh, he, he has good words about Sayyid Qutb, Adnan Abdul Qadir, you know, recommending or speaking well of his tafsir, 
Fi Dilali Quran, which is a book of misguidance, it's a book of takfir, khuruj, ash'ariya, i'tizal, tajahum, wahdatul wujud, you know. So, so there are many, many calamities upon calamities, and this is the individual who's coming to lecture the people, right? So uh, this is his condition. Likewise, Suhaib Hassan, you know, is from the people who are, who's upon the Ikhwani Manhaj. These are the types of people that they, they play with the fatawa of the great scholars, right? You know, like about when the great scholars, when they speak against Ikhwan al-Muslimun, Ikhwan al-Muslimin, and tabliq, and, and, and say that there's only one group which is upon the truth, they, they don't like that these fatawa are then heard by the people in this country. They show one face over there, and then in this country they show another face, right? So, uh, the, the Ahl Hadith in this country, they are Ikhwanis, they are not upon Salafiyyah, they're upon the Ikhwani methodology. It is about gathering numbers of people, giving them just general basics, you know, good manners, whatever. But they don't teach them, like, the things that, that you would find, um, you know, that, that, that characterize and distinguish the Salafi uh, methodology. Uh, they have cooperation with the Hizbis, with the politicians, the mingling with the people of Bid'ah, everything you see, you can't see the Salafi methodology uh, with these people or in, in their masajid, right? It's just confusion. So my advice, like, very, very, this is very, very brief, is that, you know, we should not attend the, the, these gatherings or these places. You will just be confused. You will be led to confusion. And, uh, you know, you'll not be taught, you will not be taught clarity. You will not be taught the correct creed. You will not be taught the correct principles. You will not be taught to to love and hate on the basis of, of the truth, right? It'll just water everything down, lead you to confusion, teach you false principles, and then they'll speak ill of the, of the people of truth as well, right? So you get caught up in that web of, of confusion and lies and deception, and, you know, it'll be hard for you to pull yourself out, right? Stick to the well-known uh, scholars of the past and the present, uh, Sheikh bin Baz, Sheikh al-Albani, don't be deceived by the fact that these people mention the names, right? Because this is the way of all the people of falsehood, right? They will attach themselves to Ibn Taymiyyah or Ibn Al-Qayyim or whatever, but they are far, far, far away from the actual methodology of these scholars, right? And they won't take the same positions as these scholars took, right? So all the scholars spoke against Ihya' Turath, right? What do these people do? They take money from Ihya' Turath. They're cooperating with the Hiyat like these, the Markaz uh, Al-Hadith in, in Birmingham and, you know, whatever. Right? They have co collaboration, cooperation, and funds and money going back and forth. It's money, right? Whereas what, what the, the ulama have said, that this, you know, they, they've spoken against this group and the figureheads of this group. Uh, they use their money to fund, you know, places to, to, to then spread their poison. You shouldn't, you shouldn't be deceived by any of that. So this is what I can say, like, very, 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 very briefly. Um... You know, you've heard what's in the lesson and the lecture today, very, very clear. Stick to the scholars of the truth, stick to the people of the truth, avoid innovation, avoid hisbia, avoid confusion, and, um, um, you know, you'll, you'll be safe in your, in your religion, inshallah ta'ala. But this man, Adnan Abdul Qadir, his affair is very, very famous, very, very well known. Uh, he's been amply refuted for so many calamities and mistakes, going all the way back from the 90s, early 2000s up until you know it's it's all there so you know once once that's clear then you you know you, you just avoid that confusion all all together
there's some uh, questions here. What is what is the correct position? Um, other words, Hizbi, an innovator, interchangeable. Um, you know, it depends. It varies. Um, Hizbi is is mod. These are Hizbi is someone who has the Hazab. The Hazab, he his partisanship, his affiliation is upon other than the truth. Right, he has the Hazab. Right, so his his basis of of uh, friendship and uh, uniting with people is upon other than the truth. Right, so this is very general. So, so what is that the Hazza built upon? What what statement? What innovation? What methodology is it built upon? Right. So, whoever is an Ikhwani is a Hizbi, and he has the Hazza to the manhaj of Ikhwan. Right. So, as as for whether he's an innovator or not, Mubtadir, then that varies. Not not everybody, you know, who is upon innovation is necessarily Mubtadir. He could be Sahibu Bid'a. Right. He could be acting upon an, an innovation that he doesn't know. The proof hasn't been established upon him. It depends on the type of innovation as well. If it's a very well-known, clear innovation that we know historically has been, you know, become very clear, that person is clearly a mubtadeh. If someone is a ikhwani, he's a mubtadeh. If someone is a jahmi, he's a mubtadeh. someone is a mu'tazali, he's a mubtadeh. These are very, very clear, apparent innovations that have, have become absolutely clear to everybody. It's common knowledge, right? The ikhwan, tabliq, tahrir, you know, jahmiya. Uh, Sufis, Ittihadis, Hulul, you know, some of them actually fall into, into Kufr even. Right? So, any of the well known, clear, apparent innovations whose affair has been already made clear, then those people are, you know, they, they, they are innovators. Um, you know, but the word Hizbi is, is general, it means the Hazub, uh, you know, to, to, a, to, a, to a doctrine, to a group, to an idea, to a statement, to a belief. So, it requires a bit more. You know, clarification. Uh, you know, what is your advice regarding? Uh, this is a question that came up. I think uh, your advice regarding uh, Suleiman Al Ruhaili. I believe it's it, you know it's mentioned here, and I think this is the this is the, the Sheikh who's been invited uh, by some uh, people in the UK. Uh, th- these are people. The people who are inviting. Sheikh Suleiman al-Ruhaili. In fact, there's two things here. The first thing is that we mentioned already previously that uh, Sheikh has not taken the correct stance with respect to the people of fitna, people of uh, schisms, the people of uh, splitting, which is Muhammad bin Hadi and his followers, who basically um, you know, attack students of knowledge um, call them names, slander them in the Masajid of Allah, uh, cause splits all over the Arab world, the Western world, right? The scholars like Sheikh Rabi, Sheikh Ubaid and others, they clarified the misguidance of Muhammad bin Hadi, right? And Muhammad bin Hadi has been convicted in a court of law in Medina, right? Uh, the, 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 for, for, for slandering a Muslim in a, in, in a mosque from the mosques of Allah right? This, this conviction is in a court of law. In fact, 10, 11 years earlier, there was another court case against Muhammad bin Hadi, this time by Ibrahim al-Ruhaili, right? And I actually have, I, I can actually read it to you if, if, you, want, if you wanted me to read the hukum, the actual official statement from the, 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 the court, the criminal court in Medina. 
right? Where he basically, what happened is Ibrahim al-Ruhayli is a man who entered into things that he does not understand, right? He entered into affairs that he's not fit and capable of entering into. And he also spoke some very strange things. He spoke about, you know, Jahan bin Safwan and he tried to belittle the affair of Jahan bin Safwan. And so as a result, the scholars in Medina, they refuted him. Sheikh Rabi refuted him, Sheikh Ubed refuted him, spoke against his, you know, his, his major severe mistakes in this field, right? However, when Muhammad bin Hadi refuted Ibrahim al-Rahili, he fell into excess and he fell into extreme, right? As a result of which Ibrahim al-Rahili took him to court. So this went to, into a court case, right? And as part of the court case, as part of the resolution of the court case, Muhammad bin Hadi signed an agreement in which he agreed certain things that he will not speak about people again, that he will not this and not this, whatever. I, the, the, the actual document is already published online, the actual court you know, ruling. This is going back in 2011, 2012, right? So there's some history for you there. Then 2016, 2017, he's doing the same thing. He's inventing labels, Africa, this against students of knowledge, uh, attacking them, speaking ill of them. He's even undermining like Sheikh Rabi and things like that. And, uh, uh, you know, he caused splits all of the Muslim world amongst the ranks of the, of the Salafis, right? Now, two individuals in this country who played a role in this fitna of creating and spreading these splits, two individuals, uh, they're both from this country. One is by the name, you know, uh, you've heard of Salafi events. Asif Shabir, I believe his name is. Another one called Yasir Rahman. These two individuals were there in Medina, in, in, in Saudi, and they were stoking this uh, fitna, right, of, of, of Muhammad bin Hadi and using it in order to attack Salafis in this country and create these, you know, splits, right. However, they failed in, in 2017, 2018. And what they've done now, these are the same two individuals, right? They, they, what they've done now, they've set up uh, a, a new organization called Masjid Umar or something like this. I don't know where Masjid Umar is. I don't, does it even exist? This is the way of these people. They have nothing on the ground, right? There's no mosque. There's no mosque. There's no markers. But you buy a domain name and you set up a company with company's house and you call it, you know, whatever you want to call it, right? Masjid so-and-so, Markaz so-and-so. But on the ground, there's actual, as far as we know, Allah knows best, there's actually nothing there, even there. So you like create an impression that there's somehow there's some, some substance of a, some, you know, masjid or marka, when there's actually nothing even there. It's just all online kind of, you know, uh, uh, it's a domain name and like a legal kind of, you know, uh, organization or something. And so in a way what's happening, there's two things that are really going on here. One, the first thing is that Sheikh Suleiman Rahili has not taken the correct position uh, against Muhammad bin Hadi as he should have, despite being advised in person in the house of Sheikh Rabi with all the evidences, right? And even after Muhammad bin Hadi has been convicted in a court of law for some, some of the crimes that he fell into, as well as many other things that he fell into as well, despite all that, he's not taken the correct position, right? That's one thing. But at the same time, in a way, he's also being a bit misled and deceived by these individuals as well, right? The, the, these mischief makers. And, and in a way, for them, it's like, in a way, they are 
kind of disrespecting the Sheikh as well. Like from their point of view, it's like in a way, you're trying to make it as if, yes, we have been in the Dawah for 10, 12, 15, 17 years, and they've been giving this fake impression to the Sheikh that, you know, that, uh, that somehow they, they are like being in the Dawah for 15, 17 years, organizing Dawah, have Druze, have this, have that, whatever. If you read the website of these people, the Masjid Umar website, like they've got an about page, and in there you can see many, many exaggerations and things which we know to be, to be not true. Or, or, or at least they are embellishments to make the picture look better than what it actually is. Right? So, so they are inviting the Sheikh over here without him really knowing the, the, the whole history and the realities right, of what's going on. So in a way, they themselves are kind of deceiving the very Sheikh that they are inviting over here to help fulfill agendas that they already have. Right? They are already unhappy about the Muhammad bin Hadi fitna. Right? They never got their way. They are, they, are, they are angry. They are jealous. They, are, they, you know, they want to. So this really is like, it's basically them trying to just stoke up the, the schisms again and, and uh, try to split the dawah and try to get people to go in that direction by deliberately creating this confusing kind of scenario, confusing circumstance. Right? That this, you know, Sheikh who's got knowledge is going to come over here Right, and then it's it's a deliberate way of kind of polarizing people. They know what they're doing. They know exactly what they're doing. These, these individuals, right? Right, they know exactly what they're doing. So, in other words, this is like really it's a mixture of two things, right? And our position is the position of the people of knowledge who've spoken with evidence and with truth. That that.
So as I was saying uh, that, uh, you know, it, it is a mixture of two things. Uh, first of all, is that, you know, uh, the positions uh, that should be taken have not been taken, you know. And secondly, is that it's also an element of the, these individuals who are known for, for mischief, that they, they are deliberately stalking uh, the, these problems. They know exactly what they, what, what, what they are doing and why they are doing it. They know, they know exactly why. Um, and so for that reason, what you're going to see is that this will be a gathering place or an amalgamation. Everybody who historically has got had problems or grievances or they've got jealousies or they've got um, you know, grudges or whatever, all these people are going to gather and you will see all the Hizbis, you'll see all the people, you know, historically who were with Al Ma'arabi, like the Brixton people, the Luton they will all you'll find all these people gathering, you know, in this in this conference. It'll be a gathering place of everyone who's had a problem with uh, the, the, the the people of, of, of the Sunnah in this country who have expended many, many efforts over you know numerous decades to try to uh, unite the people in this country upon the sunnah upon salafia upon love of the scholars upon love of clarity you know whatever uh, you are going to see everyone who's had a historical grudge a grievance hatred you know worldly kind of difference worldly issues whatever they're the ones who are going to be rallying around in that direction right and the people who've organized this, they, they know exactly what they are doing, these, these individuals, right? You go to their organization, markers, whatever it might be, you see that they, basically this organization they've set up is to camouflage that this is really a Salafi events. Like, you know, Salafi events, the organization that they set up four or five years, many years back in order to, you know, push their agenda. Well, they've changed the name so that no one can link this to Salafi events because everybody knows that Salafi events, even even when they split the dawah in East London with MH Bay, right? Even MH Bay had to get rid of these get rid of these guys. That tells you something. This Salafi events, even they had a splitting amongst themselves, so they they went their own way, right? So what they've done is they've made this new name for this new. Masjid, which I don't know where this masjid is, what the address of this masjid, or where this physical building is, you know, it seems to be just like a name and a, and a, a corporation, Allah knows best. Um, uh, so they've made that to hide and to camouflage the fact that this is really a Salafi events event, so to speak, right? And that's why they've taken a new name. And even when you look at the directors of the of the of the of the people who are on the company. Right, it's they've got their own brothers to be the directors, right? So you won't see Asif Shabir on there, you won't see Yasser Rahman, you see you see the brother's name and the, the brother's name. All of this is an attempt to hide who are the real like you know, who are the real people behind this new organization to hide the fact that this is this is just like Salafi events coming again to basically, you know, uh, to stalk again the issue of, of uh, Muhammad bin Hadi, the, the Sa'afika fitna, whatever. And that's what they're doing. They know exactly what they are doing. So in a way, like what I'm saying, in a, in a way that even from their point of view, 
Like, you know, they, they, they see Sheikh Suleiman Rahili as, as an alim or whatever. He is an alim. He's been spoken of, you know, well by, by uh, s- s- scholars. We don't de- deny that. From their point of view, it's even, it's a bit like disrespectful to use the Sheikh in this way for their, bur- for their machinations. And that's going to bring harm to the, to, to the Sheikh. This has happened. We've experienced this many, many times before over the past two, three decades in this country, right? Where, where people have fallen into snares without even realizing and end up harming themselves, right? So, so the position that we are explaining, first of all, uh, is the people of knowledge who have explained that when a person does not take the correct and true positions where the evidences have been established, then we take caution from that person. We're not saying that person is a dal mubtadid. This is, this is a kadhib that these people are, are, are spreading. They're trying to you know, uh, spread this slander that we are making. No, no nobody's making tabdiyah. No one has made any tabdiyah. And we said that sometimes, even from, from a person who is a person uh, of the sunnah, he can fall into uh, a statement or, or, or a belief or an action or a behavior or a conduct or taking a position which, which in itself... Is, is wrong and requires something of caution. This does not necessitate in any form or fashion that you've now declared this person to be a deviant, misguided, innovative. No. But it's just something that in this issue, just be a bit cautious. That's all it is. Right? Um, and so, so we, you know, we, 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 we don't attend that gathering because we know what the gathering, what the intent behind this whole gathering is. It is to cause splits and schisms and to polarize people, and to that, that's what the intent of it is. And, and the sheikh himself might not, might not even be fully, fully aware of what these individuals, you know, whose corruption is already known and established because they are known to us in this country and their deeds are known to us in this country. So in a way, we are, in a way, we are even being more kind and merciful, you know, to um, by by making these uh, things things aware because they are the ones who are going to harm, uh, you know, the sheikh. More than more than anything else, you know, so that, that's what I can say very very uh, briefly on this issue. Inshallah, we'll break for prayer now. Maybe just a quick clarification: There are some people that are spreading the news that the Khatib al-Arab is not from the Sea as Saudi Arabia. Say again. The Khatib al-Arab is not from the Sea as Yeah, yeah. The brother mentioned. Uh, the brothers mentioned the, the Khatib of Arafah who gave the uh, khutbah at Arafah this year, and uh, you know he he unfortunately made some uh, comments about uh, dialogue, you know, with, with with religions and so on and so forth. And this this is a mistake because the, the people of knowledge have already explained that when you start speaking about the hiwar hiwar um, uh, you know al adyan where the religions come together and they have this dialogue and speech with each other. This is the starting point of, of Wahdatul Adyan. It's a call to the unity of religions. There, there's no, the only dialogue is, you know, that we call them to, uh, as occurs in the ayah, ta'alu ila kalimatin sawa. Let us come to a common word between us that we worship none but Allah. Right? This is what is the, the, the point of discussion. You need to abandon all what you are worshipping and worship only Allah. This is the only starting point of, of, of any any dialogue. It's the basis of the dialogue. 
if this is not the basis of dialogue and you wanted to speak about you know understanding between the religions and dialogue between the religions this is the starting point of the unity of religions and the ulama have have spoken about this so just because he is the khatib of arafah uh, that does not mean that does not give him the status or does not mean that everything he says is is the truth and and is correct right so um you know this this is an erroneous statement uh, it's an erroneous thing to call to uh, and 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 you know the station he is in does not does not make his statement to be correct